0: THE JERUSALEM COUNCIL WAS A CRITICAL EVENT IN CHURCH HISTORY, AND TODAY, PASTOR GREG SCALZO WILL CONTINUE TO EXAMINE THE WISDOM DISPLAYED AT THIS MEETING IN TODAY'S EDITION OF SHIAR JASHUB. HI, I'M PATTY SCALZO, AND ALONG WITH THE CHURCH OF SHIAR JASHUB, CHRISTIAN TABERNACLE IN MADISON, CONNECTICUT, WE WELCOME YOU TO THIS BIBLE STUDY PROGRAM. Before we go into the sermon, I want to give you our church's web address, where you can find hundreds of radio programs, articles, and information to help you in your walk with the Lord. The address is www.shiarjashub.org, and there is a hyphen between Shiar and Jashub. Also, you can write to us at mailbox at shear jashuborg The current sermon was delivered by my husband back in 2006. And when we left off, Pastor Greg was discussing from Acts chapter 15, verses 19 and 20, James's conclusion that the Jewish believers in Jesus At Jerusalem, should not burden the Gentile Christians with circumcision, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Here is the author of the award winning book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, Pastor Greg Scalzo, with the conclusion. Of the Sunday message.
1: So, I don't think either one of those things any Christian would have problems with to abstain from idolatry, sexual immorality. The last two, which might really be one, someone might question as is this ceremonial law from things strangled and from blood? Liberty from regulations of the written law does not mean we should neglect the spiritual law, and really all these things have spiritual consequences, idolatry, sexual immorality. Well, what about things strangled? When you strangle the animal, the Gentiles would strangle it to keep the blood in it so that when they ate it, they would eat the blood and drink the blood of the animal. There's a lot of significance to blood in the Scriptures, and this is more than just a ceremonial regulation. We may have it... A hard time understanding in American culture. This precedes the law. It's before Moses and Sinai. If you go back to Genesis chapter 9, back to the time of Noah, in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4, Noah is told by God. He says in verse 3, before that, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. It was not so before the flood. Whatever happens to the environment, whatever dramatic change, now it's not enough to eat the fruit of the trees. They're going to need those amino acids, essential amino acids from the animal life. He says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, even as before. Now you can eat all living things. Verse 4, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood the blood should be drained out. You don't eat the flesh with the blood. That is, it's life. And there's a physical element to this and a spiritual element, and it's hard to convey, that the blood is associated with the life. And while they needed the meat of the animal, they were not to consume the life of the animal. And if you think of paganism, and the pagans were great for wanting to take the animal inside of them, to have the heart of a lion. They would eat the organs, which is not uh, allowed the Leviticus, and they would drink. The main thing was drinking that blood. To have the life of whatever that animal is, the spirit of that animal, come and take them over. And there's an animalistic, brutal element to this. If you look what happens in Genesis, right after he tells Noah not to... Eat the flesh with its blood. He says in verse 5 Surely for your life blood I will demand the reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. Right after he speaks about not drinking blood from an animal that you eat, He goes on to speak about murder. And if you look at some of these societies that would drink the blood of the animal and desire that brutal, beastly spirit to come upon them, they were brutal, murderous societies. There is a connection between, there's a spiritual element to this, that the only life you ever can take inside of you is whose? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is my body. This is my blood. All the Passover meals, it was the lamb's body, never the lamb's blood. That was sprinkled out. The covenant is made by blood, so there's a symbolism to it. And then there's the spiritual element to this, that the person is saying, we want to be like those animals, which if you're like an animal, you're going to become a murderer and shed men's blood. This is not a trivial issue, as sometimes you'll hear it preached. Paganism, that murderous zeal, many times associated with their pagan practices, which often include the drinking of blood. There was a um, program that Patty saw on Nightline uh, about the bird flu. They're concerned about, obviously, this bird flu mutating and being able to be spread between uh, humans because those humans who have caught it from birds uh, I read an article in the doctor's office how it just devours their lungs. It happens so fast, it's so horrible, it's so virulent that they, they die so quickly and it's so terrible the doctors can't do anything about it that they are fearful that if this thing should change and be able to be spread from human to human, which many times will happen once it gets into the population, we could lose a quarter or a third of the planet in a, in a year. The population could just shrink. You'd have those plagues that you read about in, uh, in the book of Revelation that Jesus spoke about at the Olivet Discourse. And where is one of the concerns they show this African nation and the national religion is voodoo? Now, voodoo is a vicious religion. It's a pagan religion. And they take the birds, they snap off the neck, and while it's alive, it's got to be living to get the living life force, which is symbolized by the Blood, and they take and they drink the blood as the heart's still pumping, and they pass it to each other, drinking the blood. And they're afraid of Nightline because you know if you have these people drinking bird blood alive, raw bird blood, if this does mutate, you're gonna have the center of the epidemic right there, and you can't stop them. That's their culture. That's paganism. This is what they were dealing with with the Gentiles. And it's not only physically uh, ill, sick thing to do for your body, right? Spiritually, and that's at the, more what James is concerned with here, it's saying that you're, again, not looking to the life of Jesus. And it can lead, many people feel when he says str- animals that are strangled and blood, he's speaking about the end result of it, blood being murder, which I think every Christian would agree that you should abstain from sexual immorality, idolatry, and murder. This is a different covenant that these pagans had. The blood is always symbolic of the life force of the of a contract. This is a counterfeit on the true contract that God gave in the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Uh, this is depravity, immorality, pagan demonism, idolatry, associating with the animal life leading to wildness and to murder. And you notice at this council, error is being pushed away by reasonable anointed men of God speaking to the multitude. Now there's a big difference between having them get circumcised, making them become descendants of the flesh of Abraham, and telling them don't commit sexual immorality, don't commit idolatry, don't commit murder, don't, you know, participate in these rituals where you drink blood all the symbolism involved in it. This is not trivial matters of ceremonial law. These men exercise their authority. They give their conclusions by speaking and reasoning to the multitude. Peter gets up, Paul and Barnabas, James gets up. He says, this is what I judge. They reach a consensus because they're looking to feel what the Holy Spirit's trying to tell them, what Jesus wants them to know. They're not there in a power struggle. But Jesus had promised them that the Spirit of truth will guide them into all truth. He will tell them things to come. He will show them. He will lead them. So if you have a multitude of believers who really want to come to the point that they do what the Lord God wants, and you have reasoned men anointed to a position, and they get up and they speak and they use Holy Spirit logic, James uses the Scriptures the proper way, you will come to the Lord's will. You will know the mind of Christ, even though there is discord, even though you still have human nature working among a group of people. This council gives the rightful way authority should work. They have the positions, yet they reason with the multitude to bring them to the right place. They don't sit there giving a decree because look who I am. Rather, they show they are called to that position by reasoning in the Holy Spirit, that they silence the multitude, and they know this really is the will of God. We want to read the letter that um, they send to Antioch. We also want to analyze that scripture, verse 21. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. What what does James mean by that? Is he saying there as some have tried to say, well, He's telling them to keep away from idolatry, from sexual immorality, from strangled animals, and from blood, because he doesn't want to offend the other Jewish believers. He doesn't want the Gentiles to be doing something that the Jews see as so terrible that they can't have harmony. That would make, then, the requirements he's giving them, not things that they would need to do for themselves, but just you know things that you do to keep peace among the church in almost every work i've read on this section that's what they say and i don't i don't agree with that and next time i'll i'll tell you what i think james is saying yeah heavenly father we thank you for uh, your word your holy word father god and we pray this morning lord that we would learn a lesson from those who were placed in tremendous positions of authority at a point in church history critical a critical time when decisions had to rightly be made, and how they exercised that authority to come to the the place of your perfect, pleasing will. We give you thanksgiving, Lord. We pray, Father, you help us likewise to rightly divide your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What
0: a fascinating teaching. Again. The nightline that Pastor referred to aired back in 2006 during the bird flu crisis. Thank you for joining us. You can find a library of these radio programs on our church website at www.shearjashub.org. That's S-H-E-A-R hyphen J-A-S-H-U-B dot O-R-G. And you will also find information about Shi'ar Jeshub, Christian Tabernacle, and Pastor Greg. And we have included a link to Pastor's instructive book, The Nature and Power of Prayer, 30 Bible Lessons to Effective Prayer That Will Change Your Life. Please join Pastor Greg Scalzo next time on Shi'ar Jashub.